Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Just have them ready. Um, as I preach this morning, I really appreciate it if you're able to look on your own Bible, whether it's uh, digital or paper. There's something about hearing the Word of God and seeing it in your own copy of the Scriptures. Um, I always carry my copy of the Scriptures with me when I go to a church service, especially those I'm not preaching in, because I oftentimes write in my Bible. I take notes in my Bible so that the next time I look at that passage, I can read the notes that uh, I felt were talking to me at that time. So that's why I really encourage you to have your Bible because of the convenience, especially for our home audience, of them um, being able to see the scripture because many people at home are on devices, which is also where their Bible is, so it's kind of hard to watch the service. We do put it on the screens, but... Get in the habit of looking on your Bible, even if it's on the screens. This is part two today of a message series that I have started called Divided, the Rise of the False. Divided, the Rise of the False. I want to tell you this morning about Chris. I knew Chris decades ago. And Chris's story is kind of neat. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Chris went to church as a child. His parents took him to church, and he attended church faithfully with his parents. And then as he became a teenager and a young adult, he actually continued. Many fall away. Chris did not. Chris continued to go to his church. He continued on a weekly basis to go to services. But then something happened to Chris. Chris started to hang around and began to be influenced by some people who actually had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this was interesting to Chris because Chris has been told that if he does this and if he does that and if he attends this, that he's going to be okay with God. And so he continued to attend his church thinking he was okay with God, but then he met these people that seemed to know God. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had a story like that? It's just like there's something different. And so as Chris spent more and more time with these individuals, Chris began to realize that even though he was a religious man and a spiritual man, these people had something he didn't. They had what the Bible called salvation. They had what the Bible called being born again. And as Chris found out more about this, he himself prayed a prayer and opened his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and experienced what these other people had. He became born again and continues to serve the Lord Jesus Christ to this day. See, what Chris had in his, in his growing up years and his young adult years was actually a counterfeit faith, a false faith. faith. Even though he went to a traditionally Christian church, Christian in name, he wasn't it wasn't explained to him what the gospel is. It wasn't explained to him that he needed to be born again until he ran across some other believers and came to a saving experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me contrast that with another man. I'll call him Joseph. Joseph grew up in a great church and in his teenage years had a powerful experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he was born again. And 
during his teenage years through uh, his youth group, he loved, he served, he just, his life was transformed. His parents saw it, other people saw it. Joseph was transformed. He was exciting to be around as he even shared his faith with others. And then as Joseph got older, it was time for him to pursue more education. And so he went to college. And when he got to college, he met some people, uh, some people that talked about Jesus, some people that said they loved Jesus, but they also said that, you know, I know we love Jesus and we love God, but, you know, we can do pretty much what we want. And as long as we think about God and as long as we pray once in a while, and as long as we're not as bad as those people, whoever those people are, we all have those people. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we're doing fine because we're not as bad as those people. Uh, I talked to one man, uh, this was years ago, and I'm, I'm diverting from the story here, but I talked to one man years ago who said, I'm those people. <laughs> I'm the one that everybody compares to, that they're not as bad as I was, and I was that bad. But, but, but Joseph was hanging with these people, and Joseph began to kind of drift. And then he ended up in a couple of classes at this university where the professors um, actually criticized Christianity, and they, they uh, made students who came from a, a strong Christian background, were born again, who knew Jesus, uh, criticized them, made them feel small, and would argue with them and come up with all of these arguments that they couldn't argue against. And you know, Joseph, his faith got weaker and weaker and weaker until the point when the real faith that Joseph had actually became something counterfeit, something somewhat spiritual, but it no longer had the dynamic. It no longer had the relationship with Jesus. See, what had happened with Chris is the real was a catalyst for him to go from false faith to real faith. But with Joseph, the false and the counterfeit was the catalyst for him to leave the real and accept the counterfeit. That's what I mean by the divide, the rise of the false See, throughout history, there's always been false teaching. There's always been a counterfeit gospel. Uh, there's always been false preaching about what is necessary to be right with God. And, and there are those, there's always been those who say they love Jesus, they follow Jesus, but their lives don't demonstrate a devotion to Jesus. And that false is always there. And you want to, let me just digress for a second. Why? Why is that false there? Why? Because we have an enemy. Why? Because Jesus has an enemy. The enemy, Jesus identifies as the devil, and the devil does not want people going to heaven. He will do whatever. He will create a false faith. He will create spirituality that feels right, but is apart from the power of God because he hates the people of God. He hates you. He hates me. He wants to drag us all away from eternal life and trap us into eternal darkness. And so he creates this false. His purpose, as we find in John 10, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do with our lives. And so the New Testament talks a lot about this theme of the real and false, the fall or the counterfeit. It's throughout the New Testament. But in your notes, and there is a, a good note sheet this week. I think it's a really good note sheet. If you didn't pick one up, you need to because I put some good stuff in there. But there's a whole list of scriptures. These are just gospel passages that speak 
of dividing and division. It's not all of them. It's talked about elsewhere in the scripture, but here's the gospel passages that talk about it. There's the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds, and that's actually where we're going today. I'm going to uh, unpack that parable for you. Uh, there's the wise and foolish bridesmaids. Last week we talked about them. Five were wise, and they entered into eternal life. Five were foolish, and they were locked out. Um, even the division of members of the family. Jesus said that he's going to split families up. Not, not, not on purpose, but the gospel will split families up. Uh, the sheep and the goats, another parable about division and dividing. And the sheep and the goats is next week's passage. I'm going to be specifically talking about that next week. Um, very often in the gospels, it talks about trees and their fruit, whether they have good fruit or bad fruit, uh, wheat and chaff and then vine and branches. So this whole theme of this dividing of the real from the counterfeit, of the, the true from the false, is throughout the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, a church in Thessalonica. I just want to make sure it was the right church. The Apostle Paul wrote this uh, to a church in Thessalonica because they were concerned that Jesus had already returned. They had gotten some false information and they were living in fear that they had missed the rapture and they had missed the second coming of Jesus. And so Paul corrected that, but Paul said something in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and this is from the Amplified Bible because it says it so clearly. He says, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. That's about that Jesus has already returned. Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you, for that day, the return of Jesus will not come, and this is the sign, unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. Paul says before Jesus comes, there is going to be a massive abandonment of the faith from professed Christians to something that is counterfeit. It's a pseudo-faith. It's a spirituality, but it is false. Last week, we looked at some statistics. I'm not going to go over them again, but that article is still on our Facebook page from the Barna organization who polled individuals as to what they believe, and there has been, over the decades, it's getting worse and worse that people no longer hold to the foundational beliefs of our faith. And here's the key danger. This is also in your notes coming up on the screen. Here's, the, here's my key thought. This is the danger. The danger of the false and the counterfeit is that individuals who hold to these beliefs don't realize they believe something false until it's too late. They don't believe that they have held on to and believe something that was false until it is too late. And that's what we looked at last time. In review, we looked at the parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. Uh, five were wise, five were foolish. And here's the review, if you could bring up the slide. This is what happened to the five foolish, the ones who had believed and held to something that was false. The false did not know they had embraced the counterfeit faith. When the Lord returned, or when each of us die, if we believe something false, and that's what happened to the foolish ones, they did not know that they had embraced counterfeit faith. Two, the false are shocked that they're locked out. You see it in many places in the, in the scriptures, but specifically in this passage, they're knocking on the door that has been closed and locked, and they're saying, let us in, Lord, let us in, Lord. Well, you ate and drank with us. You taught in our streets. And he says, I don't know who you are because they have not embraced the real. They have not come to a personal relationship with him. They are outside of a locked door, and they're shocked that they're locked out. Number three, the false cannot do anything about their condition at that point. 
There is nothing they can do. And so number four, the false are eternally lost. Remember, these are people who called to Jesus and called him Lord that knew who he was but did not know him personally, had not accepted the free gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. So that takes us to today's parable, Matthew's Gospel. I encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 13. 13th chapter of Matthew. This is a compilation of parables and stories that Jesus told. And starting in the uh, 24th verse is the parable that we are going to look at. It is called the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Or in older translations, it's the wheat and the tares. Which actually, I prefer that word. And I'll explain to you why I prefer that word. Because of the way we think about weeds is not what this parable is teaching. So, in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24, following along as I read. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Now, that's a key uh, verse. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. See, these weeds are not chickweed. And they're not dandelions or bindweed or clover because those kind of weeds would very easily be identified in a field that has been sown with wheat. I can identify them very easily in my grass because they don't look anything like the grass. I know that the weeds are there. But what was sown by the enemy is a type of weed that is called tares or darnel. The Greek word is zinzanion, zinzanion, and that specifically is a variety of darnel. It's a, it's a darnel weed that closely resembles wheat and is almost impossible to distinguish from it until the wheat ripens and bears grain. Now think about this. In this field, have you ever been, maybe you've not noticed it, but when you drive by a lush wheat field in the spring, you know, it's green and it's lush and all of, the, all of the shoots look just like wheat. Well, this weed, this false weed, looks just like wheat. So if you would drive by the wheat field, it looks like, oh, what a fantastic field of wheat this is. But then after several weeks, a couple, three months in the ground, the stalks of grain come up. And that's when the difference is seen. Because the wheat stalks come up and they have grain in it, the darnel have just a wimpy little seed in it, if none at all. And that's what happened to this field that this farmer planted. Now that the wheat has been in the ground for two to three months, it's been growing. Now that the grain is evident on the stalks, stalks of wheat, but is not evident on the darnel or the tares, Picking it up in verse 27, the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed, it's full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer explained. Well, shouldn't we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. 
And then Jesus goes on and teaches some other parables, but back, uh, picking it up in verse 36, the disciples want understanding of this parable. And so in verse 36, it says, Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house, and his disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. So Jesus himself is who is planting the good seed. The field is the world. And the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. Born again, true followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus scatters throughout the world and they grow. The weeds or the tares or the darnel are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Remember I said early on that the devil is our enemy? He is planting weeds amongst the world, amongst Jesus' field where there are true believers growing up. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, or probably more uh, correctly, the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. I'm going to make six points this morning. Again, there's a note sheet for you to fill in. It's, all these are going to be coming up on the screen. If you're at home, you may want to take some notes or take some screenshots of these. I think they're very important. The first thing is that we see in this parable that Jesus is making very clear is the real and the counterfeit grow up side by side. The real and the counterfeit grow up side by side. People with real faith and people with false faith planted by the enemy, although I wouldn't say that they would, they, uh, they would say they're planted by the enemy, they don't know. They really don't know that they've, that they've grabbed onto something false, which is one of the scary things. One of the things that makes this uh, whole teaching series heavy on my soul is how many people don't know that they've embraced something. But the real and the counterfeit grow up side by side. Number two, the real and the counterfeit, they often look the same. Again, in the growing stage, they look the same. The darnel looks just like a wheat plant. And the wheat plant looks just like a darnel. If you go out in those fields in that day, you would not be able to choose plant to plant to plant and decide. That's why uh, Jesus was making it very clear. We're not looking at dandelion. If you're looking at a dandelion in wheat, you can see that dandelion almost from when it's small because the leaves are different and it's, it's a whole different type of plant. But this is a plant that looks just like wheat. So the real and the counterfeit grow up side by side and the real and the counterfeit look the same or often look the same. Then number three... The real and the counterfeit differ when their fruit is revealed. That's when you can tell the real from the counterfeit is once the grain starts to mature, when the fruit is revealed. Number four, the real produces good fruit. The counterfeit produces no fruit or bad fruit. This is, this is consistent throughout the Gospels. The real produces good fruit. But the counterfeit, 
the false, produces no fruit at all or bad fruit. One of the passages that I said in the Gospels regarding uh, the real and the false or this division is John chapter 15, 1 through 8, where it talks about the vine and the branches. Um, if you have your Bible, go to it. If not, just follow along on the screen, uh, both at home and here in church. Jesus said this, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Now listen to this next verse. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Those false individuals are going to be cut off from the vine. Anyone who doesn't produce fruit is going to be cut off from the branch. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by my message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. One of the ways that you stay connected, one of the ways that you stay true, one of the ways that you don't become counterfeit is you stay connected to Jesus. It concerns me that throughout Christendom, how many people do nothing extra besides occasionally attending church to stay connected to Jesus? Jesus says you're not going to produce any fruit if you don't stay connected. How do you stay connected? Through prayer, through word, through worship, through uh, plugging in with other believers, staying connected with Jesus. If not, you're not going to bear fruit. Verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Jesus said when we produce fruit, that is the evidence that we are his disciples. This brings great glory to my father. The wheat, they're real believers, true followers of Jesus who are living in the world. The tares or the weeds are counterfeit believers who look like Christians. But when they have no fruit, no grain, it becomes apparent that they are not really followers of Jesus. They are not Christian even though they may give the title. The title Christian doesn't make you a Christian. The relationship with Jesus makes you a Christian. They are counterfeit. Most true believers can be identified by their spiritual and practical fruit, and unbelievers or counterfeit believers by their lack of it. Now, I just want to say it's not for us to judge. The parable says that the end of the age is when the full division is going to take place. Or we can imply at a person's death that will become apparent. Did they have fruit? Were they a true believer? However, for each of us, you know, remember, we're not going to judge. I don't go around and judge Sherry as to whether she's a true believer or not, although I think she's got plenty of fruit, so I probably would accurately judge that. But I, we need to be cautious about that. However, the Bible does say that we should examine ourselves. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. That's a responsibility we should have. Examining our hearts, is our faith genuine? Now, while you cannot know another person's true spiritual condition, 
lack of fruit or evidence of real faith in fruit are mostly apparent. But if there is a lack of fruit and a lack of evidence of real faith, even though the person claims to be a believer, I would encourage you to let that trigger prayer. Maybe even be sharing what God has done in your life because you know, we don't know their spiritual condition. And sometimes that's an excuse we use. Well, I don't really know where they are with God. Well, if there is a lack of any evidence, there's a lack of any fruit in their life, I pray for them. Possibly even witness. Now, I wouldn't tell them <laughs> that they're false because that's, that, that lets you in for an argument. But there are people that I am praying for, people that I'm praying for that I've known uh, in this community, in other communities, that profess Christianity, but I don't see it in their life. So I pray that God would reveal to them, if they are not in the faith, and if they are in the faith, reveal to them what they should be doing, because if they're plugged into Jesus, there should be fruit. Number five. Good fruit and bad or no fruit are the criteria used in separating the real from the counterfeit. Good fruit or bad fruit or no fruit are the criteria that is used throughout the Gospels in separating the real from the counterfeit. It's about their fruit. It's not about their profession of faith, as important as it is to have a profession of faith. The Bible is very clear that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Salvation is by faith. But the evidence of salvation is shown in our fruit. And at the end, every passage that talks about fruit, the criteria is always good fruit or bad or no fruit. Is there a criteria used in separating the real from the counterfeit? Now, as we get to number six, here's the good news. And the troubling news. You ready? Here it is. Number six. The counterfeit can become real. The counterfeit can become real. But the real can become counterfeit. The counterfeit can become real. The real can become counterfeit. Jesus said in Matthew 13.30. Now, this isn't specifically what he taught, although I've read other commentators that feel the same thing. Jesus said, let both grow together until the harvest. One of the reasons Jesus lets both grow together is Jesus knows that the counterfeit can become real if they hang around enough of the real. Remember I told about Chris? Chris had a false counterfeit faith even though he was religious, even though he was spiritual, even though he was faithful, but then he got around the real, and the real rubbed off on him, and the real showed that they had something that he didn't have, and as he sought more of it, he found out that what they had was a born-again personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when they received him into their hearts by faith, something he hadn't done before. He thought about it, and then he did exactly the same thing, and he was born again, and he went from being counterfeit to being real. 
There's a thought. It's not in your notes, but I left you some white space if you want to put it up there. Put this up on the screen. God's in the business of making wheat out of tares, saints out of sinners. How many of us have that story? God is in the business of making wheat out of tares. They grow together. Remember, greater is he who is within us and he that is within the world. We live in the world. We live amongst the false. But if we are real and true, Jesus said we are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And we're wheat amongst tares. And God is in the business of using you and I as we intersperse through the world. He's in the business of making wheat out of tares. Saints out of sinners. And so he lets us grow together. Now, it's a risk, and he knows that, because some who start real are influenced by the tares, and it does happen that they are pulled away into something that is counterfeit. Maybe you've seen it happen to a family member, but remember, if they've tasted the real before, I believe that God has a chance of getting at their hearts much more easily. Continue to pray for them. But God is in the business of making wheat out of tares tell you about a couple I'm just going to call for this illustration, Dick and Helen. Dick and Helen were a middle-aged couple back in the late 80s, early 90s. They'd been involved in church their entire lives. They'd raised their family in church. They lived in the suburbs outside of a major city. They went to a church with several hundred other people. It was a, a large mainline church, and they were faithful in their attendance. You can count on them to serve on committees, use their talents to help, where the needs were. The only problem was that they were attending a church that was Christian in name only. The true message of Jesus was not being preached. They didn't know about their need of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They had not been told about his grace and mercy and his free gift of salvation. In fact, in the church they attended, they, they were told that Jesus is one way to God, but there are other ways too. Just follow this way, other people will follow other ways. Yet it was a church that at one time held to the foundational beliefs. And so they went there, and they raised their kids there. But somehow, I believe through the grace of God, they got around some true believers. And the more time they spent around these true believers, they began to feel that there must be more. But they weren't sure exactly what it was. And so when they were invited to some worship gatherings and prayer gatherings, not at their church, but community gatherings, they decided to try it out because they really liked these people that they were around and they really liked the genuineness of their faith. And through the relationships with those people, through the relationships with the real, it became apparent that of what their true spiritual condition was. It, was. it was counterfeit. It was false. And they opened their hearts and were born again. And after a time, they also realized that the church they were attending was not teaching the truth that they had discovered in the Bible. And so they changed churches so that they could grow in their faith and so that their children be taught about Jesus. You could call Dick and Helen tares, but when they got around the real, that was the catalyst for them to become born again 
the tares became wheat. And that's what God does. God is in the business of making wheat out of tares, saints out of sinners. Dick and Helen received the gift of God. They left the counterfeit behind. They are true Christ followers. God is in the business of making wheat out of tares, saints out of sinners. This morning, I don't know where everybody is, but one of the concerns I have, those who might be watching online, those who may be here in the sanctuary, is that maybe your spirituality that you have, that you have accepted, maybe actually isn't real or true. I mean, you know the story of Jesus, you believe it, but have you personally opened your heart and your life to receive the forgiveness of sins? Have you repented? Has there been a change of mind and heart? And are you following? Oftentimes in our what we call evangelical churches where we encourage people to pray a prayer. That's so important. But that prayer should spark true heart change. And if true heart change has been sparked, Jesus said if you're plugged into him, you are going to naturally bear fruit. And we're going to talk more about what this fruit is next week. But it's, it's the transformation of your life. It is loving others. It is reaching out to other people in love because Jesus said they will know that we are his disciples by our love not by our words by our actions fruit can be demonstrated fruit can be seen the difference between the real and the counterfeit became apparent when people looked for the fruit and I ask you if people were looking for fruit in your life today whether you're at home or whether you're here what would they find would they find a, a good-looking green plant that looks like a Christian, but there's no fruit on it? Or would they find wheat with grain because of how you have led your life? That's the challenge of this message, the divided. Because in this day and age, the devil is out there working hard to capture people in the false. The devil is out there working hard to make people feel comfortable in doing the barest minimum or nothing. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I pray a prayer to Jesus, but there's no fruit. The devil is working overtime to make us feel comfortable in maybe sharing a little bit on social media, but, you know, the rest of our lives there is not evidence. I don't know where you are, but the Holy Spirit does. And my prayer has been not for me to judge where you are, but for the Holy Spirit to speak, to let you know that, yes, you are in the faith. There is fruit in your life, or to let you know that you may be holding on to something counterfeit. And if you're holding on to something counterfeit or false, and Jesus returns, or you leave this life naturally through death, I don't want you to be one of the ones who are surprised that the door is closed and locked. And you say, but, but Lord, and he says, I don't know you. I don't know who you are.
So my prayer this morning is going to be that the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts and lives at home, in person, on demand. I believe there will be people watching this days, weeks, maybe even months later. But it's your time, and the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Even though this is preached on the last Sunday of February 2021, God's word is still powerful. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has not lost its power. It is the power of God for the salvation of many, for the Jew first and then the Gentile. That's what we have. Worship team, would you come to the platform, please? Bow your heads as I pray. Lord, You taught this parable. You explained the parable. And the understanding of the parable at times is very uncomfortable. Because it shows us that the enemy would love to convince us that we're okay in something false and counterfeit. But Lord, I thank you that the parable also shows you let us grow side by side. And because you desire that no man perish but all come to knowledge of the truth, I believe you are in the business of creating wheat out of tares, saints out of sinners. And Lord, if that be the case today, or whoever is listening or watching, who your Holy Spirit is speaking to about their spiritual condition, that they would make the decision today to reach out and accept the free gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and that they would make it their desire and their determination to walk fully with you, to stay plugged into you, Jesus, that they may bear much fruit. Personally, in the transformation of their life and as they love those around them. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.